Hello and welcome to the Beard and Glasses podcast with me, Stephen Hayes and Ben Greasley. Hey, Steve. All right, Ben, how goes? Yeah, it goes all right, mate. Um, so this week we're asking the question, is Scrubs a timeless sitcom? Now, when we discussed this, it kind of coincided with Scrubs actually becoming available or series on Channel 4. Yeah, so that happened just after we talked about wanting to do this episode. I mean, for me, the impetus of looking at this is the fact that Zap Braff and Donald... Frazen? ...started doing their podcast. So they're doing a podcast going through every Scrubs episode, kind of taking you behind the scene, which is great. And if you are actually interested in people who know what they're talking about, talking <laughs> about Scrubs, turn this off and go listen to them because... You yeah. Know, we're not giving people massive incentive to continue with this hey the people who are actually in it have done a podcast on scrubs yes but we're we're posing a question they would never pose no that's it and you i mean you met zach braff once didn't you yeah of course yeah didn't actually didn't think of that yes beck and i saw him in a play in london the play i can't even remember the name of but he all accounts wrote it and directed and starred in it whether or not that was a good idea or not it felt very much like a play and that seems like a weird thing to say at a play um but yeah he was a quite an accommodating individual so this that podcast was kind of the reason why we wanted to start do this episode we then found out that channel four are putting all of it up on their streaming thing um but also something else happened a couple of days ago didn't it steve well i think it only came out yesterday but yes beloved sam lloyd uh, who played Ted in the season. Yeah, passed away. So that was very sad to hear. 56, I believe. 56. Um, I think it was an inoperable brain tumour, I think. Yeah, it was a very, a very short battle with cancer is all I read. Yeah. Um, so, Ben, when was your kind of exposure to Scrubs? Were you in, in it, from the start? I'm not sure. So I saw it on Channel 4, I think, when it was in the UK. Um, I saw it when it was on Terrestrial Telly because it came out when Terrestrial Telly was still a thing. Um and I think I watched it from the beginning. I think, you know, the kind of first episode you go in, you think it's going to be some sort of hospital drama or a, a kind of witty, uh, snarky comedy. And it's really not. It's it's really, it's very endearing. It's very open. And Zach Braff plays JD, who is this, he's quite a bit of a, a kind of daft guy at the beginning of it. Yeah. And I just loved the vignettes. I loved his his imaginations that would shoot off to these odd things. Yeah. Oh. Um, and, and it hooked me from the beginning on that. Yeah, very quirky. And I think it probably you might have it there. When did it launch? What was the first season? Oh, first season was October the 2nd, 2001. Okay, so it came out two years after Family Guy started. But I think Family Guy had very much done the, you know, like that time I... And then the kind of side swipes to, for for the sake of a gag. And I feel like Scrubs might have been the first sitcom to really utilise that comedic device. And I think the the quirkiness of JD as a character and his daydreaming effectively was mm. perfect for that. I think it's, it's a departure from a lot of other uh, sitcoms and comedies at the time of there's it's not filmed in front of a studio audience. No. It's done with takes and single cameras. There's no laughter track. Um, and it's far, it's shot far more as a as a drama that happens to be funny, and a lot of the jokes only really work because you're able to cut very quickly in quite a you know an Edgar Wright style of kind of quick cuts between yeah. different things, and so the whole production and editing side of it added to the comedic value of it hugely, which I really enjoyed. Yeah, I think when when it came out, 
I remember seeing a trailer for it, actually, and thinking there's quite a few sitcoms where I've kind of come into it late. So Friends, I think, I came in on the third or fourth season. Things like Seinfeld or Cheers, that kind of... The American stuff that was around or available at that time was all retrospective. So I remember thinking, oh, I can watch this one from the from the offset. Mm-hmm. What I found with Scrubs instantly, which separates it from Friends and Seinfeld, it's not really an ensemble piece. It, it treats itself like an ensemble piece, but really, I, I would see this as it's Zach Braff. Like JD is the main character, and then there's JD story, yeah, yeah, and then the second tier is Carla and Turk and Elliot and Doctor Cox, and then there's like yeah. a third and fourth tier, and which is great. Yeah, and I think each of those tiers in different parts of the series, which again I'll talk about in a bit more, are are given a lot of space and given a lot of freedom. Mm. Um, I think one of the things you see is the janitor, uh, who we can probably talk about for ages. <laughs> um, I think they they initially started writing him lines, uh, but they soon stopped because all of the stuff he would come up with on set when they're just kind of just going back and forth, ad-libbing, um, but it's more than that. It's um, improvisation. So where they're okay, improving improv- against each yeah. other. And the janitor would just improv this amazing stuff about his wife who's knitting, and she only has thumb and pinky thing pinky yeah. pinky and and it would be all this daft stuff and it would just be fantastic i actually um, remember from the special features because i'm a special features kind of guy you are or certainly was in the noughties when that was very much a, a thing that he was only in the first episode and i think the actor neil flynn um uh yeah neil flynn so he actually improvised one of the lines in the first episode and then they extended his contract for a few more episodes and then he never left. Brilliant. So, you know, if that's not a story of strike while the iron's hot, I don't know what is. Absolutely. No, I think he's, he's one of my favourite characters in the whole thing and I think he's a brilliant foil. So you see, mm. you know, he, he he elevates and highlights and I think all of the characters do this, that they all, uh, they're, they're all different characteristic elements of JD in a way they're all kind of different parts of him if you look at it in that kind of light and they all highlight different parts this almost sounds like a fan theory Ben there's there's so much fan theory that you could put into it that but no I, I so I just like that each of them are they're not just character elements themselves but they all have very strong identities and you see that in it I think you get that's far more interesting than the characters you get in a Seinfeld or in Friends where where they have characteristics but it's not as interesting Mm. the right way. So the backdrop is a hospital and it's a place where people are terminally ill and die. So for you, did you kind of agree that that was a good place to center a comedy, a good backdrop? Well, it can be. I mean, there's stuff like, have you ever watched the green wing? No. Oh, again, it's a a British channel Four comedy set in a hospital and it's three protagonists, two guys and a girl <clears throat> but it's it's great, but it's a very different thing. And again, it's zany and weird, but I think it's required in that kind of setting because you do have such a serious tone of you're in a hospital and people are dying and everything. So mm. you've got to offset that by being quite a bit more irreverent or funny or kooky or whatever you want to call mm. it in order to alleviate and make light of the situation. By all accounts, it's a very accurate portrayal of what a hospital environment is like. You have the really? the weight of you know illness and death and all the rest of it, but often people working in that environment do have to be quite zany and silly and whatever else to to make 
make it through the day because I, I think if you if you stayed in that drama state of like a green wing or house or whatever I don't think you'd be able to do that profession I don't think you've got to find a way of dealing with it some some of the yeah. weight of what of what you hear is you've got what to you disassociate see. yourself haven't you yeah absolutely and I think Scrubs even talks about that in one of their episodes that that Dr. Cox and Turk are betting if a if a old guy's going to die or not and you know they make a ten dollar bet on if he's going to make it through the surgery mm. and then Turk feels terrible because he realizes he's just made this bet about it and Dr. Cox explains look we don't do this just because it's funny to make these kind of bets but we do it because you know you've got to tell this person that they're going to die or something and then you've got to go back to work mm. you have yeah. to disassociate yourself from it so and I think Scrub, Scrubs does that well that it it makes light of situations, but it also accepts them and, you know, makes note of them. It doesn't just brush them under the carpet. Absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about the ensemble. So obviously you've got um, Turk, JD, Elliot, Dr. Cox, Carlso. But then you've got this whole ream of... Um, so Ted, you've got Todd... Oh. Nurse Roberts, Todd. Jordan. No, sorry, hang on, hang on, wait a minute. The Todd. <laughs> yeah, the Please, Todd. He's yeah. given him his title. <laughs> yeah. Do you think a character like Todd would be okay in 2020? Do you think people would actually accept it? Oh, um, yes. Because there's a whole episode of, you know, Todd, They uh, Carla and Elliot think t- the Todd is gay. And the Todd kind of goes along with it in order to infiltrate the two of them and go bra shopping with them. Yeah. But then at the end, the Todd is still coming on to guys who are coming on to guys and then coming on to old people. And he's just going along, loving everything. And someone comes up to him and says, what are you? And he goes, I'm the Todd. And this kind of carries on happy in who he is. I mean, the fact that he is coming on to everyone all of the time. That's probably not okay. Well, no, I was going to say, I said, would it be okay now? And then you start, you said, yeah, I think so. And then listed all the reasons why these days any, and I think this is probably why comedy is rubbish at the moment anyway, because you can't go anywhere near joking about anything offensive. But like, if you think of the Todd or even Joey and Friends or Barney Stinson and Now I Met Your Mother, these kind of misogynistic men who go after women or in Todd's case, anything that walks. Um, <laughs> yeah. I just don't think it would fly anymore. I think people can let themselves watch it retrospectively because it came out before the whole woke culture. Mm. The question of whether or not it's timeless, we'll, we'll get to that. But in terms of some of the jokes and how, while they age, it's, it's questionable. I'm not saying necessarily for me, but, <laughs> Aware, I, awareness I think, of the society I live in I don't think yeah I don't think they would have written the same jokes now but it is nearly 20 years since it but I think there's there's an episode you know there's another Dr. Seltzer Dr. Seltzer who is kind of a colleague of Dr. Cox and Seltzer and Seltzer's wife have a very open relationship mm. and and there's loads of jokes about that but one time Cox and his uh, his wife or his partner go over to the Seltzers for dinner and the Seltzers a date rape drug them and this is like a little kind of uh, oh yeah flash that happens there's an episode where seltzer is sat with a laptop in the canteen and dr cox comes over and says seltzer what are you watching on there and he said oh that's just my wife doing the dishes and he says yeah but who are those other two people he goes, oh that's mr and mrs dish wow. and it's <laughs> there's there's just loads of that in there 
which is kind of t- it's, it's it's kind of a dum dum, just kind of a light joke in that moment. Yeah, but if, the, the reality of the situation. Yeah, so you've got Todd, and you just of course reference Jordan as a character. Yes. Now, what do you make of her? Because she is the cre- the show's um, Bill Lawrence, his actual wife. I didn't know that. Didn't you? No, I didn't yeah. know that. And there's points where I'm like, yeah, I can see it. Like, she's good. She's there's points where her acting doesn't seem quite up to the mark. What do you think of her? I've never thought about it that way. Have you thought about it in any way? No, I haven't <laughs> thought about the quality of her acting. No. No. But then I've never thought of her as. She has kind of bits and pieces with, uh, with Doctor Cox, and I can remember at the end of season two, I think there's or at the end of season one or something, there's she kind of has this monologue, this bitch about everyone else in it. And thinking about that, it's not kind of fantastically acted. Mm. But I think she she's supposed to be quite a cold, distant kind of person. I think I think it's believable enough within the context of it. Mm. Okay, what do you think of Ted as a character? I, I absolutely we... love Ted. Ted is honestly one of my favourite characters. He... He elevates Kelso because he gives Kelso someone to dump on constantly. Yeah, it feels quite old it. school, doesn't it? It's a comedic device. It's quite, I, just, I just love Ted's mannerisms that he spends so much of his time with his briefcase that he can't open. Aww. And he does this thing with it. I'm doing it on the video chat with his arm over his head. So he takes his right arm and he scratches his left ear mm. over his whole head. In like, this a chimp, stressed like, pose. like a chimp, like a simian. Like a chimp, like a simian chimp. And he's, he's fantastic. And he barely needs to say anything. He can just stand there and in 10 episodes go, aww, and it, it still be perfect for the moment. Yeah, and then whip out the occasional brilliant barbershop quartet. Yes. So good. What what were they called? The useless peons. It was, yeah, and I think they were his real life band. That makes sense. That they got in on it. I, my favourite thing, sorry, is the Beatles when they're at a wedding. I think they play at Carla's wedding. I don't know if it's their voices or whatever. Mm. But, you know, they pick up all the instruments and they say, it's been years since we played. And then they just break into it. And I know they're not playing in that moment, yeah, but it's yeah. just fantastic. I know. Do you think the jokes with Ted and the suicide stuff would, would fly today? Oh, they're some so, of his best things, though. But there's quite a few moments where... Go on, Teddy, just one more step. And occasionally he takes the step and then lands in, like, a pile of garbage outside or something. But it's remarkable because it's not that old, yet I truly don't believe that would get released now. I really don't. I don't. I think it could get released. Oh no, it wouldn't. It wouldn't make it through. It wouldn't make it through like the production process. They'd I don't think it would. Beyond the, it wouldn't get greenlit, would it? It'd just be there. No, we can't do that. No, we can't do this. Yeah, um, and you think so? So many, so many of the gags. So two characters straight away. Todd with his kind of um, misogynistic or you know predatory nature. You've got yeah. Ted and his suicidal thoughts, tendencies. Yeah. So yeah, brilliant character. But some of that stuff wouldn't fly. Laverne, again, mm-hmm. love Laverne, but even that noise you made, stereotype. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Watching her stories, doing all of this. Yeah, she does all the stereotypes. If you just saw these characters as those stereotypes, because it went for the eight seasons that it did, and even these kind of the second and third tier characters appear very stereotypical, mm. um, they're each given quite a lot of stage time they've each given a lot yeah. to work with so the Todd there's whole parts of it where the higher ups and Turk is trying to do the best he can and they're saying who's the best surgeon here it's the Todd mm. he's you know miles away better than them they look at Laverne they look at her faith they look at her relationship with her husband 
they see her caring for so many new doctors and nurses throughout the whole thing. They, yeah, there's a lot of nice. The vast majority, yeah, all of their characters. I, th- it's it's kind of a nice way that you start off with your your initial impression of a character or a person, and it is quite stereotypical. It's easy to do it that way. Yeah. But then through all eight seasons, they spread out so much, and you get to see so much depth that not that it negates the stereotypical nature of it, but it does definitely broaden the characters. Who who's your favourite character on it then? Uh, main or secondary? Any. I think Doctor Cox, because I think somewhere in all of us we're seeking someone's approval. And he is such a typical example of the sort of uh, individual you might find yourself needing approval from. Everyone who's watching knows the monologue is coming and you just sit down and relax for five minutes while he berates you. (laughs) But one of the great things with Scrubs is take a character like Dr. Cox, mostly used for comedic elements and someone for JD to play off. Mm -hmm. But then you've got that episode where a load of his patients die and he absolutely loses it and it's terrifying like he properly goes skits and he, he i can't completely off the rails yeah. yeah and i can't think of a moment in a sitcom where i've ever felt quite like i did one in that scene and it shows jd properly like freaked out and then and then it transpires that it's actually his fault mm. and it's like whoa this is weighty stuff yeah it's it's not funny um no. but that and it's not supposed to be funny and there's there's no laughter track there's no happy resolve at the end of the episode. There's nothing. He just says, um, "You don't want to be like me, kid," or something like that. And he's like, "I think he says no." Out. I think he says, um, oh, "A few people die," and JD kind of justifies it. But I think Cox gets carried away, and one person who died, he gave, he gave one of the organs to someone else, and, and that person could have waited. And he's like, "He didn't need to die, did he, newbie?" And just walks off. And ah, oh, man. I just love newbie, and um, are the the names. So the Doctor Cox comes up with a different girl's name for him every single time, yeah. and I don't know if that was ad libbed, and and it goes off, and eventually, you know, you get an episode that's Doctor Cox's internal monologue, yeah, and and you see him sitting there going, Jennifer, Brandine, Denise, Sharon, Chasney, yes, Chasney's new, and then yeah. he goes in and says it, and he said, I used that like three months ago. Damn it. Yeah. Well, you've so you've touched on something there. So I think, yeah, having looked at some of the individual characters, some of the kind of supporting cast, going back to the main group and and how how central JD is to that, mm. I think the show almost began to forget. I think it's good. The supporting cast are brilliant, and the characters are brilliant. And I think, yeah, JD and Turk's relationship is brilliant, and um, Elliot and and Carla are great as well. But it's guy it's, love between two guys. Yeah. Well, yeah, there's another one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it's about JD and it's his story and it's his narrative. And when they started probably around season four or five, having an episode of se- season where someone else took on the inner monologue thoughts kind of thing, it's like the writers forgot that that was a thing that JD did because he was a daydreamer and because he was so specific. And there was definite moments where... where suddenly like these quirky thoughts and random things were happening being thought by the other characters yeah and it was like no that was a thing because of who jd is so i think they almost kind of lost sight of that and it also felt a lot like (laughs) it was almost like a bit of a suspension of disbelief thing where 
I was suddenly like, oh, Zach Braff needed a day off, and so they get, so that he's hardly in this episode. I'd I think just, there was some of that, yeah. Yeah, I think rather just do one episode less because I think it just broke the magic of the show for me when they started. Yeah, doing that. I, you, you're right. It is that story, and I think it's it's hard to keep that kind of a central premise for it over eight seasons and however many years to say no. This is this is about JD. But how do we always do that? Mm. I would have loved to see an episode with Ted's internal monologue where it's just Ted stood. There is no internal monologue. There is no ability to imagine. <laughs> you know, it's it's just What about just, just a him. um the sound effects equivalent of tumbleweed, just like a Would it be that or would it just be gentle sobbing? <laughs> <laughs> probably probably a bit of both. But I but yeah, it is it is JD's story, and and everyone else kind of relates into that. But can you remember those um, episodes where they did have other people's internal thoughts and not feeling quite well, maybe feeling a bit disjointed? Yeah, it's, it's it was disjointed, and it's you're right. They were trying to take the the funny elements of the the kind of daydreaming vignettes and apply them to someone else because Scrubs does daydreaming vignettes, but not everyone in episodes would have them. I mean, I don't have very many of these delusional episodes a day i don't know how many you have <laughs> i do have yeah i i have to say i think i've there was some relating to jd because i do have those little things i remember once being on a on the motorway <laughs> driving somewhere and the traffic was like intermittent i think we we're going through birmingham or something and in my head i imagined every time we slowed down an ostrich racing us and just catching up with us and then just as the ostrich caught up with us we'd carry on I, that's a like, very, yeah that's an odd thing it's really weird and i i think the older i've got i've the quirkiness dials down every year so i don't think not so much anymore but certainly at that point in my life there was definitely shades of that going on would you just kind of kind of stare pensively into the middle distance for a little while while everyone is stood but i love the fact that they reference that in scrubs as well don't yeah. they so so from someone else's perspective jd would do his you know pout and look far away and then everyone would be like, oh, all right, he's gone. Okay, yeah, it showed, you've got it showed to come back their in side. Five yeah, it showed their side it, of him just which, physically actually taking as long as it takes for that scene to play out. And then saying something random that no one else understands. <laughs> yeah. It was great when it did that. There were a few other really odd standout episodes. And I think the show was quite brave in this. Mm. So I don't think in, in Friends you don't get a musical episode. No. Um, you don't get... Um, you don't get kind of life-changing things for the characters at the end of seasons. You don't get like the uh, the heavy stuff that we're talking about. Um, I guess you don't in Friends get... you had like Ross and Rachel and the and him cheating on her. Like that was you do get some of those moments, but I think Scrubs man- managed to pull it off more sincerely. It did, yeah. Uh, one of the things that I don't like about Scrubs is the fact that still a lot of the whole series is built around the will-they-won't-they they, JD and Elliot relationship that seems a prerequisite for any yeah. modern comedy, which does my head in. But, Why does that need to be the premise? But it kind of does keep people tuning in. I don't, I don't know. I, I can't say i love it but it feels like a necessary evil there's a great moment in around season three or four <laughs> where the janitor says they're hardly ross and rachel and someone says who and it's like dr ross and rachel from pediatrics <laughs> and they just shows yes, chi- i love that i think it's like a chinese couple just waving over 
And but but and I love those things. But you mm. never get that in Friends, and you wouldn't get it in like Seinfeld or something. That it is is for it's it's not pushing the fourth wall, but it's aware that it's there and it leans against it occasionally. Oh yeah, there's a there's a scene as well where JD mentioned um, no, I think Elliot mentions Grey's Anatomy, and 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 JD says, oh, it's like they watched our lives and put it on TV, and Elliot's like. <laughs> So you were saying about the musical episode. So there's quite there's quite a few that that became a thing actually every season. And I think it was season four where they did the Wizard of Oz episode that started with Toto Africa. Oh yeah. And then JD had to get home and, and someone yes. needed courage. And so that was great, like a really special kind of episode. And then there was the musical one, which was fantastic. There was a yeah. Sesame Street one. There was a yeah. sitcom one where it turned. The into sitcom, a sitcom one is the one I wanted to talk about because that's they're taking a really heavy thing that's happening in the sitcom episode and they turn it into a brightly lit live studio audience laugh track single punchline thing and it just dies doesn't it i know it's not supposed to be funny in that setting well it's funny because it's ironic isn't it it is yeah and again so those kind of clever episodes outside i mean i i don't watch family guy so i've never seen it so We'll mm. we'll have to talk about that, but from what I understand, it does a lot of that. It does a lot of the self-referential, yeah, um, outside the box, whatever it is. But I think Scrubs did a lot of that in a live format. Again, you couldn't do with a traditional live studio audience laugh track type thing. No, but those that some of those episodes were my favourite ones. I mean, the song "Everything Comes Down to Poo" <laughs> and "Guy Love Between Two Guys." Um, oh, the great thing about that I, that musical episode is. It's good. Like the, it actually sounds like a legitimate musical. I tried I so think... hard to get those get that um, those musical songs on CD. I think there's if if we get the opportunity at any point to for whatever reason put on a short musical, we should just do that one. <laughs> but that would be good. <laughs> it's great. So with JD and his kind of core relationships, obviously his relationship with Turk is is absolutely brilliant and. Very much a pillar of the show, Ben. It's it is the relationship of the whole show. I know that there's the whole will they won't they between him and Elliot, but it's they yes they will and they're there together forever of <laughs> Turk and JD. You yeah. know, it's vanilla bear, chocolate bear. Oh no, vanilla bear, brown bear, or whatever it is. I think he does say chocolate bear actually. His chocolate bear, yeah, and their friendship right from the off is utterly fantastic. Yeah. And I could just watch that all day. They're so close in real life and I think it really does come across in their on-screen chemistry. They're just fantastic. Eagle! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. And I think the kind of Turk and Carla thing, at least with their relationship, they got together early on and then they were just together. But I think JD and, and those other three are kind of just so essential him and Elliot, they do have a great chemistry, you have to say. Yeah, it's different though, isn't it? It's different between them and it is between him and Turk. Well, it's it's it eternal with him and Turk. There's never a, it's, a question. It's it's the equivalent of, of you know, it's, it's the, there's nothing you could possibly do that could break my guy love for you. It's, yeah, nothing you could do could make me love you any more or any less. That's it. They're, they're almost each other's dogs. Like that, That's what I was going to say. They are each other's dogs. <laughs> I love it when Turk comes back from his honeymoon and he comes straight back to the hospital and <laughs> yeah. JD is looking out the window at him. And they keep missing and he's each like, other. Turk, JD, and they keep missing each other for ages. Like a Scooby-Doo-esque uh, going great. through different doors thing. The other main characters, Elliot's 
like she does develop. She starts off quite fearful, and by season five, I think she's in another hospital, and her own career has taken off. I love her relationship with, oh, what's it? Um, something Dudemeister. Keith. Keith. Keith Dudemeister, yeah. which means the master of dudes. Mm. Apparently, according to her, I love she. She does become zanier as the whole thing goes on. That she, she develops her whole um, fear of people hearing her poo. Yeah, uh, you know, kind of soundproofing and having to say the and, jingo. Yeah, so all of that, which which is quite funny. Yeah, um, and by the t- point she gets together with Keith, JD's been such a scumbag. You kind of think, oh, well, yeah. go for it, because he's not good to women, man alive. No, he, I mean, that's one of the things that does bother me as the seasons go on is each season kind of brings its own new love interest for JD that he messes about witless mm. and he just obsesses about himself and screws them over. I, he is so, so flawed as a kind of main protagonist character. There's, I think there's things yeah. like, I think it's season three where he fights to get... Uh, Elliot to break up with uh, Sean, and then he nobody really cares what you think, Sean. Nobody cares what you think, Sean. But then, and then he says, uh, and then he says, "I don't love you." And then there's another episode where he says to Elliot, "You're the one who's supposed to fail, not me." It's like, oh, you. We all have, oh. we all have those bad thoughts, but he's really bad at ver- verbalizing them. And yeah, he's he's terrible at that. But does that make him a more human character? Yes, it does. So. Because you constantly hear his inner monologue, you hear his insecurities and doubts and everything, it doesn't come as a surprise when he says these things out loud. It's, mm. you know, you've been hearing them like a book the whole way through, which again is something that I like about this comedy, that you are hearing his thoughts on a subject. Um, whereas in all other comedies, typically it's all external. You're just watching it and then there are catchy one-liners or whatever else. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think some of the funniest things are things that do just happen in JD's head, that they aren't said by anyone. Yeah. The moment where he's dancing in a room with uh, balloons falling and... The... Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's... I remember it now. And the dancing is terrible as well. <laughs> um, I mean, we've talked a lot about the characters and I think we love the characters. I think the story as it goes through is is really strong. Um but we're talking about, is it timeless? Could someone watch it now or could someone watch it in 20 years' time and still call it good or entertaining or approachable or accessible or whatever else? Do you mm-hmm. think it stands up? So I think if they pulled the plug, um, if you'll excuse the pun, I think if they stopped it after season six, it would be timeless. I think season seven was good, but it landed in the writer's strike so there's all sorts of weird things oh, where yeah. dr cox was suddenly a skinhead and then suddenly not at one moment i can't remember if it, if it was that season but they laverne died and it was really emotional and then just randomly there was another nurse who looked like laverne, who looked laverne, like laverne. it was the same actress and there was never any payoff nothing ever came of it so it no. so that season felt very disjointed and then eight Again, it was okay, and I think the finale was... You get the catharsis in the finale. The finale was fantastic, I think. Because Hooch is crazy. Yeah, that was a brilliant moment, and seeing all the kind of old people in that lineup, I think it was a really, really great finale. And then you get kind of... There's a sheet over the door, and you get like a flash forward, don't you? Yeah, and there's a projection of it on on him, which just looks great. 
And by the way, it's a side comment, but the amount of great music that I've I found was going to say Scrubs, honestly. Yeah, Scrubs used music in a way that no other comedy had used it mm. prior to that. Yeah. Um, and it was just great. I mean, some of it was very on the nose or a little cheesy, but it still used it as a really strong element in it. That song on the finale, though, The Book of Love, I've never heard that, Peter Gabriel, and it's yeah. absolutely gorgeous. Now, in season eight, you kind of got this new batch of interns, and there's very yeah. much this sense of handing over the reins. And frankly, I think they, like in Tom and Jerry, where he blinks and has like dollar signs in his eyes, I yes, think that's, that's, I think that's what happened. They thought the format was strong enough that they could just get another bunch of interns and carry this thing on for time. What's the phrase? Immemorial? Answers on a postcard. Yeah. <laughs> tweet but... it to us. <laughs> yeah, you can tweet it to us. So I think Scrubs is a very, very, very good sitcom that I hold dear, but I don't think it is timeless because I think they sold their souls a little bit. And whereas with Friends, the final season is still really strong. And I think that's just a, a, a really good measuring pole because friends is whatever you say about the laugh track and live street to the audience friends is fantastic and it's a great series i think with they forgot like i said uh, when we first started talking they forgot what it was about it's about jd it was it was his journey mm-hmm. and they then basically got offered a paycheck by the studios and took it and then you had this awful transitioning period where you just felt like ah. Oh, so the whole thing think... felt like, you know when you're eating a really nice meal and, and it's so good that you're almost mourning it coming to an end as much as you are enjoying it? Yeah. It, it, the, the final season or two felt like that. It was like, ah, oh, it's still good, but I know they're kind of it, cha- they're milking changing, it now. changing the course of direction a bit. I think for me, a, a sign of a really good comedy and, and something that makes it, from my perspective, timeless is the great characters. Um, and the fact that it kind of falls over and dies the second you take those characters away Mm. means it's not really about the hospital it's not really about these clever vignettes or these clever bits and pieces it's about the story of these people and and you can look at that in a timeless fashion you can look at uh you know other great examples you can look at only fools and horses it's not about selling stuff out of a bag or doing this it's about the people and that if you ignore other things finishes fantastically yeah. And I think Scrubs, to a point, does the same thing because it is about the relationships. You've got, there's still like a dozen different kind of second, third tier characters who are all great characters in the whole thing mm. who make a difference to it and add to it. And none none of them, you've got like Beard Face, you've got Hooch is Crazy. Say. Sorry. Snoop Dogg in his face. Snoop Dogg into It's because his face is three fifths beard or whatever it is, he says. <laughs> yeah. Um, and all of those little things, you don't talk about Scrubs in terms of what happened. You talk of it in terms of who. So it's, it's yeah. about Dr. Cox doing this, or it's about JD doing that, or Turk, you know, dancing around the hospital. I can remember he came in, there's one episode where he comes in as a, not an intern anymore, but now as a resident or something. And he's, you know, he's all pimped up and everything. Snoop Dogg resident, yeah. Oh, it's, it's great. <laughs> So I would but say it is, it's about the people. Yeah, and I would say for anyone who hasn't seen it and for some reason is listening to this, it's definitely, definitely worth it. And taking taking a hit on the later episodes becoming a bit weaker. Um, and even things like Calso 
retiring, but then staying yeah. in the coffee shop all day just felt a bit like, why did but you I, bother I, having him retire? And then, I don't know. I kind of like that just because, so he is, he's the contrast for Dr. Cox. But then once Dr. Cox, spoiler alert, gets the top job, um, Kelso is still there to say, ah, you can see why I was so much of a douchebag the whole time. It's because you had to do this, that, and the other. And then he he becomes Yoda to him. Um, but I love Dr. Kelso. Yeah. We haven't talked about Kelso at all. I love that he was, no. you know, in the Pacific War, that he's got Johnny tattooed on his backside. <laughs> yeah. that well, we haven't even talked wife... about the brain trust. That says a lot. Oh, my good, the brain trust. But that's the we thing. haven't talked about Doug. No. Doug, we haven't talked about. But that's the point. I think there's so... it's. It's crammed with very good characters, which probably helped it last for so long. And they felt real for the most part. Yeah, I think you could take those characters and take them out of a hospital setup and put them into an office that you get with the American office in a similar way. Mm. Or you could put them into being in the military or the police. So you get Brooklyn Nine-Nine, which is very similar. And it works just as well. And I think think the American office and Brooklyn Nine-Nine both take very heavily from... Scrubs in its, you know, it's, it's like diehard kind of element. Ensemble cast with a main focal point in the middle of it, um, being quite wacky, and then just using the hospital as a framework in order to develop these great characters. So I think you can say it's fantastic. It's worth watching. I'll rewatch it again at some point. However, I think it's a real shame in the legacy of that show that they kind of sold their souls a little bit towards the end for chasing the the big bucks as mm, if they hadn't already yeah. made enough. I, I don't think it tails off quite so badly. I was happy with it up to the end of season eight. I can understand that it pull and pu- pulls and pushes and changes a bit, but I think as a whole, it's, it's great. And it's, I think it stands the test of time now. It might not be PC in every way that most people want, but I really don't care about things being PC in the way people want. Yeah, it's only being devil's advocate discussing any of that. I think comedy is comedy. I wouldn't say you can joke about anything. However, I think most of the stuff, not all of it, but most of it in, in Scrubs is about okay. So if anyone thinks we've missed any major elements of that discussion or... Uh, wants to suggest any future episodes, you can get in touch with us on Twitter at B and G underscore podcast and or just search for Beard and Glasses and you should find us. Um, and it was really interesting talking through that. So thanks, Ben. Cheers, Steve. Catch everyone next time. Thanks very much. Bye.